0: Hello and welcome back to Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Pullemore and it has been another good week for QPR. Firstly, we won away at Coventry. Uh, Then we made another loan signing with Dion Sanson coming in from Wolves. And then finally, in a poor game, we grounded out a point which ultimately probably will prove to be a decent result in the end. Uh, all that will be discussed and more, including the latest transfer rumours or rumour involving QPR. And joining me this week to discuss all this. Firstly, it's Micah Chudley.
1: Good evening, Alex. Good evening. evening, everybody.
0: Welcome back. And secondly, we've got Dan Lambert joining us. Good evening. Yeah, evening, welcome. Uh, so firstly, let's start with Coventry, shall we? Uh, what did we think? Entertaining game, certainly.
2: It it, it was end to end, wasn't it? Well, for the majority. I mean we certainly weren't at our best as um as Warburton touched on uh, post match. Um but we did show our individual quality in the end. Um I mean they did dominate spells especially in the first half and in the second half for about 20, 20 minutes or so. Um, but no, I mean, it's it's good to get a win when you don't always play at your best.
0: Yeah. And just before we, we were saying this kind of before we came on, but we do have quite a few last minute winners or late winners, late point snatchers in the game. But Micah, it's good, you know, that we keep going in games like this, isn't it? It's, it's First of all, it's just fun, isn't it? It's just the, the atmosphere was fantastic. It's just fun to be winning games.
1: Yeah, more than anything, we're you know it's fun to be a QPR supporter at the moment, isn't it? Um, yeah, again, not not our best for sure. Uh, you could argue when have we been this season, but um, an- another great away day, another one for the uh, for the scrapbook for sure.
0: Yeah, the annoying thing is that probably the best we've I've seen us play in a sort of half of football is probably actually being Bristol City without scoring. Yeah. Like that is the most annoying thing because it and it felt like on that day, just, I think my dad turned around and said to me, like, we're going to thrash someone at some point. We're going to, I think we were expecting at some point to do what Fulham have done to Reading uh, a couple of weeks ago and put six or seven past someone. Cause it just looked like we were going to score so many goals. Obviously we know how that ended up. And, uh, you know, I think there was a bit of a hangover from that ultimately for majority of the season, um, and we play slightly differently now, I guess, as well. Um, but regardless, we've got an away goal specialist, haven't we, Micah? Andre Gray, yet another goal away from home. Is it five now? He's got.
1: I think all of his goals this season have come uh, come away from home. If I'm not if I'm not yeah. wrong. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that the most annoying thing, really, for Andre Gray is that we. Once we seem to start getting him in a decent run of form, he's, he's either injured or COVID, or he's got to go and play for Jamaica. It's a bit annoying. I think once once we get a run of games out of him, I think he's just going to start banging them in regularly at home as well. Hopefully, it's just it's just a little it's a little bit annoying, you know. Yeah. That we just can't get him at the club.
0: I don't know if we touched on this last week when the news sort of broke about him being selected for Jamaica, but. Does seem a bit naughty to me that Jamaica are playing a few games, not just Jamaica. Obviously, that the whole Confederation is playing qualifying games outside of the international break. I don't. I, I'm just not happy about this. Like, <laughs> we're already suffering with
1: Afcon. I think it's um, what is it? It's because of because of COVID that um, the CONCAF nations they haven't actually got anyone qualified for the World Cup yet, and obviously we're nine months away from the World Cup, so. But it is annoying, isn't it? It is very annoying. But there yeah. we go. Uh,
0: well, hopefully he goes over there. Have they got a good chance of qualifying?
1: No. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> they've, <laughs> they've got to win all the rest of it. Jamaica have got a new coach now. And, you know, we'll see, we'll see how mm. he does. But it's a pretty dire position. Jamaica mm. pretty much have to win all of their games from now on.
0: And how many games are away from home?
1: Oh, God knows. Um. (laughs) Oh, God knows. I even know. All I know is if Jamaica make it, it will be a miracle. It will be a genuine miracle.
0: So that is uh, to add to the sort of international frustrations, because I think, um, and we'll touch on our lack of creativity against Swansea in a bit, but it is slightly frustrating to see Chair sitting on the bench the whole time uh, whilst we are struggling without him a little bit. Um. Regardless, a nice tidy finish from Andre Gray. Dan, you've been full of praise for him recently in your articles and on the podcast. And you touched on it again. Uh, early sort of dominance from him and a nice start to the game sort of getting him behind a few times.
2: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I really like him. I think alongside Dykes, he works, he works quite well. I mean... Mm-hmm. Especially during the the early parts of the game, he's quite influential. Uh, he had that chance before he scored. Um, it was the a, a doma long throw, and then yeah, he got 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 in behind and um, stretched them well.
0: Yeah, um, it, I think it was such an early goal. I'd literally, i literally I made it into the ground very late due to um, I mean my friends were dragging their heels over lunch, so I was trying to drag them away from. The restaurant we were in, but to eventually get into the ground and the game was pretty much underway by the time of well, I didn't go to my seat in particular because the <laughs> seat in arrangements were like all over the place. I got to the top of the I got out into the stand, showed the steward like, oh, this is my ticket. Where am I meant to sit? And she just points up at this uh massive group of QPR fans that have just basically covered the entire top section, I was like, Where on earth is the stairs for me to get up there? And how what am I, what am I meant to do with that? Like, <laughs> so in the end, I went down the front, and uh, I think I managed to get on the in the camera for the second goal on the highlights. So, yeah, uh, but it was nice to see Gray with a, such a, a good finish. He had a few early chances, as Dan was saying there. Um, but yeah, he's an away goal specialist. Hopefully, we can get him a few goals at the Kyron Prince Foundation Stadium before the end of the season. Um, Micah, what did you think of Coventry's goal? Did you think it was... Oh, well, you weren't at the game, so it's sort of hard to say if you, you thought it, it was coming. But what do you think, actually, of the goal itself? I've
1: got to be honest, I can't remember the goal. This is terrible, oh, terrible We podcast friday But I can't remember the goal. What was their goal like again?
0: Todd Kane, corner, edge of the box, uh, and then...
1: Corner, yeah. Oh, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because we, I think, was it last week? We were saying we've conceded the least goals um from set pieces this season yeah. out of any team from the championship. I don't know if that counts directly as a set. Was there a deflection? Mm, no,
0: that that it was a worked sort of t- uh routine. Basically, they tried it a few times already, and we just didn't wake up to it, which was yeah. disappointing. Um, because you could just they weren't actually putting the ball into the box, maybe yeah. sort of aware of the fact that we have got Jimmy Dunn and Dickie that are just gonna head and kick everything away. Um, yeah. it was, it was well, for, for me, it was a disappointing one because
1: I just like I said, it felt like it was coming and they played well throughout yeah, the game. From what I remember from like following the game on the Uh, commentary on the club website it did sound like it had been coming from really from when we'd scored Mm. so I I doubt we can have too many complaints about the goal how it came about is another thing
0: no yeah I I felt like they were going to score at some point Um, well maybe because we I think yeah it's just a disappointing one like it, it was so obvious what they were trying to do. And you just think there's a guy on the edge of the box every single time, the last corner, which we managed to clear because someone closed him down quickly, went to the same person or to a player in a similar position from the other side. So can we just have someone mark the person on the edge of the box? Because we would have had, I imagine that, I can't quite remember, but they must have had like two players back marking probably Willock, who was up the field. You can sacrifice another defender when that's what they're trying to do and just trust the fact that we could clear the lines anyway. I did mention last week that they were struggling for a few goals, and in particular, Guy Carez was uh, on a bit of a goal drought. He has broken that now. Luckily, last night's game, uh, I can't remember who they played, but he did score in that, and he didn't score against us. So yet again, I've tried to curse QPR. It's paid off. Yeah. And we, we can all be that's very it. happy. Um, it. But yeah, it, did, it at times, even though they were playing well and they were getting through us, it didn't look like they were going to create and f- take a chance from open play. Probably did need a bit, you know, their goal was something a bit special. Uh, and that's kind of what they required in the end. So yeah, very happy I didn't curse us. But in the end, we get the goal. Adoma pops up with a header. And Dan... Do you want to take see this one?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, it started from the wide area. I think it was it was four four players um, in a diamond shape. I think Phil, um, Thomas, Willock and Wallace. Obviously, Thomas does quite well actually because he he manages to to pull two commentary players away from away from the area, and then obviously Wallace and um, Wallace and <clears throat> combined with a one-two, and then. Um, when it put floats in a ball at the back post for for a to head.
0: Yeah, um, I didn't really, Kind of came you get bit against a run of play. Obviously the um, you had a massive stoppage right after the Coventry goal because of a steward who was quite badly injured. Uh, he, I think he hit his head or something like that. I, I think I saw on Twitter. So, um, he didn't look in pretty. You know, in good. Uh, situation after that and when obviously when the goal went in their support was lifted they were very noisy um, and it obviously didn't kick off straight away afterwards which kind of stopped the flow of the game a little bit because we had such a long stoppage it was kind of like having another half time so it allowed everything to perhaps calm down again. And, uh, you know, everyone was thinking about other things apart from football at that point, because you know what it's like recently with uh, fan emergencies. And, you know, like people love a good conspiracy theory and stuff like that. But, you know, I think everyone was kind of focused on something else for that period of time. And it obviously did probably affect the players a little bit as well. And they got, it took a while for them to get back into the swing of things once we kicked off again. Uh, but yeah, Doma popping up with the header. I'm delighted to see him score in the flesh. Um, I haven't seen him score. Did he score at Birmingham? Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, I haven't seen his goal yeah, at yeah. Birmingham on the TV. Nice to see him score in front of the QPR crowds and me be there. So, yeah, the fan, he looked like he was enjoying the winner as per usual. Albert Doma, friend of the podcast. Um, I'm sure you've heard of Sam Fields' exploits. And I think, Micah, you said something in our group chat, probably relating to yesterday's game, about how good he is. But do you want to just sort of talk us through He's what you've so been good. hearing?
1: He's so good. He's ridiculously good. Um not even just the fact I wore that and said the other day after the Coventry game, he said, "Oh, he's a Premier League midfielder," and it kind of people just kind of just yeah, all right, just didn't it just kind of went under the radar. People were like yeah, okay, fair enough, but um, just in terms of quality, he's he's right up there. He's definitely right up there with Chair and Willock in terms of quality, and Dicky wins the ball back. I believe he won the ball back fourteen times. I think it's Coventry. I think Jack Supple um, tweeted that. If you, anyone listening, if you don't follow Jack Supple, it's worth a follow. If you like completely obscure stats that you didn't know were even possible to find. But I think Southfield won the ball back 14 times, which is like more than any other player in the championship in a single game this season or any other QPR player. I can't remember the exact stat. But more than just his ability to win the ball back, it's just how calm and composed he looks on the ball. There was a point in the first half, I think, yesterday, where he was out on the right-hand side, and the ball was just given to him on that right touch line. He was just inside the Swansea half, three players around him, and I think he had um, Odegaard was like way up the pitch in the right wing position, and you had like Dicky, Dunn, and Barbe stood where they normally stood in the back three, and I think a lot of times, not to not to discredit him or anyone else. But a lot of times with someone like Dombol or a lot of times with somebody like Dazelle, because he's young, there's, there's a tendency to maybe panic in that situation. It's easy to panic in that situation. And although it's not necessarily a dangerous place to lose the ball, the situation was quite dangerous in that Or the Badgers all the way up the pitch and we just have our three centre-backs kind of stood in the centre-back position. But he just relaxed on the ball, took his time, went round the one Swansea player, Played it into, a, I think it was done, and I mean, although you know that doesn't seem like a big deal, that's the type of thing that, in the moment, like if you get that wrong, and that goes and leads to a goal, people are coming back to that moment and saying, "Oh, Samfield should have done better there." It's just, it's just little things like that. He's so calm and composed on the ball, to go with the fact that defensively, his positioning, his tackling, it's just his awareness, his defensive awareness. It's just unbelievable. And I I genuinely, genuinely think that Warburton's right. I genuinely think he is a Premier League quality midfielder.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was absolutely outstanding. Definitely man of the match against Coventry. Like you said, winning the ball back so many times. It was just so obvious that he was a cut above everyone else in that little bit. Um, So, yeah, he was so
1: impressive against Coventry. Also, last last night as well. Not to cut in but last night as well matty grimes probably the best one of the best centre midfield performances i've seen at loftus road this season the only other player on the pitch close to him that could hold a candle to him was sam field again to be honest i thought marshall had a good game goal to be fair mm. but in terms of outfield players sam field was right there with matty grimes and that should just tell you about how good sam field is
0: yeah uh, i think you mentioned Marshall there, he made a fantastic save to keep us in the game at Coventry, like really top corner, had a fantastic view of it. Uh, you know, one of these ones where you sort of think, how has he actually made that? Um, but he, he just gets across so quickly and makes a brilliant save. Dicky again, uh, makes a fantastic clearance right underneath uh, Coventry player after Marshall's made another save and the ball sort of bounces back out into an area where Coventry could score. How he digs it out, it's unbelievable. He, He gets the ball clean. He doesn't really touch the player until the ball's well gone, and it's definitely not a penalty or anything like that. It's fantastic defending. And, of course, we've mentioned him already. The head it, kick it, smash it defender, Jimmy Dunn. Again, just, you know, he's obviously very passionate and I don't want to say passion merchant because that's something that's sort of like thrown at players that don't quite have the quality but he has a quality and he's a passion he, you can know, you see at the end of the game against Coventry how much it means to him. And you know he's really got on board of with, with us having been at Burnley for I imagine quite a few years. He's got on board of what he needs to do. He's taken his chance in the absence of Geordie Device. Um Dan, I was reading your Substack, as you know from what I said earlier you made a point about empty and central space and it was something that I did notice when we were uh, playing and I thought we were just giving a bit too much control to Coventry it didn't really strike me that this was something that we were perhaps doing deliberately do you want to just talk us through that
2: yeah so well I noticed that when um, obviously Coventry off the ball they were quite a narrow shape um, I think it was the front three and their two midfielders behind. So naturally they were, they were isolating um, field from build-ups. And then, well, I started to notice Dizel in particular. Um, he was obviously shuffling over to the right-hand side quite a lot in build-ups. And Willock obviously comes over to the left. I don't know how deliberate it was. Like you said, um, I think it was more a factor of Coventry shape rather than a, an actual, actual plan but it certainly helped in the sense of building up in wide areas because that was where our prominent attacks came from, really.
0: Yeah, I was a little bit frustrated by it, though, because I thought that we were just allowing them a bit too much time. Cut, they were cutting through us quite easily. And I thought, yeah, they had a
2: few counterattacks, didn't they, especially in the early, oh, early yeah. five or so minutes where and that I, was to do our wide shape.
0: Really kind of thought half-time take off one of the strikers and bring on Dumball. Because I just we didn't I didn't feel like we had enough bodies in there to cope with them and it didn't quite go to plan for them in the second half in the same fashion, which I guess is sort of lucky for us. But in the first half they really did cut through us quite a few times and that's the you know you make your own luck and they never took their chances. Everything was either straight at Marshall and you could say that's poor of Coventry or is that sort of Marshall's good positioning in the goal to know whether that they're going to try and take the shot. Um, but you do make your own luck sometimes. And whilst I think a lot of fans will say we maybe didn't deserve to win the game when you do take your chances, but we had a high amount of chances and we had a good quality of chances, which Dan will touch on after I finished it. But, you know, once you take, when you take those good chances that we did have, you kind of do deserve it, don't you? But us yeah. through the chance creation
2: because it was higher than usual it was and that's what that's what kind of where the piece or the angle came from i mean i don't think we deserved it in terms of periods of dominance but like you, like you touched on um our chance creation or at least rxg um was a quite a bit a fair bit higher than coventry's which was surprising obviously having watched the first 90 to begin with but um I mean, looking back at the chances, some of them were crosses in the six-yard box. Um, the Wallace chance was a big one. I think Jimmy Duns was quite a big one from the corner, which could skew the skew the numbers a little bit. But no, I mean, if you if you are basing it off the quality of chances we created, then I would say we probably did, did deserve the win.
0: Yeah, adoma had a really good chance, and I don't know how. Um, can't can't remember whether it was that a one of their defenders managed to take it off his head, but it, he was literally got any touch on it. It was a goal, definite goal. Um, but, you know, it all works out in the end and we pick up three points in a game where we could easily have lost. So, you know, another fantastic result for us there. I said at the start of the podcast that this game against Swansea was quite boring and, that you know, maybe it will be viewed as a decent result eventually. I, I think it's, from the whole sort of perspective, we have won three league games so far this month, drawn one. it's a pretty outstanding record, I think, so far from the possibilities. And let's just touch on Swansea, That not much really happened in the game. Let's go to the team selection. First of all, there was four changes from the side that played against Coventry. What did we think of this one? Micah, do you want to have a look?
1: There's quite a lot of... Of Backlash wasn't there towards the, the team selection. From being honest, I think maybe if we sit back and look at the context of the month that we've just had and the month before, we didn't play for three weeks, then we went into a very busy, busy Christmas schedule, busy early January schedule. We play 100-plus minutes against Coventry. I know for 15 or so, um, the players weren't actually playing, but they're still out on the pitch, staying warm for 100-plus minutes. And Rotherham as well, extra time. Sorry? Rotherham in the cup, extra time. Rotherham to, yeah, exactly. Rotherham extra time as well. Um, and then you go straight into a Tuesday game with a game on Saturday, I believe, Reading on Saturday, I believe. Um, realistically, at some point, as much as we are a team full of young players, we do have a lot of older players as well. And I've raised the point before that eventually Adoma can't play every weekday, Saturday, weekday, Saturday. Gonna have to stop. Adoma obviously did come on, but he didn't start. Um, the interesting one for me was um, Amos for Dizel. However, because I don't think Dizel had his best game on um, Saturday, but I did think that you know, just just in terms of sort of technical quality, um, I feel like Dizel has a bit more of that than than Amos, and I felt in a, in that game particularly against Swansea having the ball was going to be key. So I, I was a little bit surprised to see Amos go in there. And I personally don't think, other than uh, him hitting the post, which was a good run, I don't think he had a particularly great game either. But um, for the most part, I think the team selection made more sense than people were giving Wolbert and credit for, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I think it's perfectly understandable to rest Adama once you've got Moses back. Moses was... Um, He was fine, really. It just obviously isn't as good in the attacking positions as Doma is and the quality and the skills and whatever. Um, So you're going to miss creativity there. The one thing that I had a problem with was, and to be fair, I realized this sort of once we'd started, but around sort of 19 minutes, I think there was a couple of uh, long balls that went up to Austin and he won them without much contest whatsoever really I mean Swansea aren't that sort of side in the sense of a like defending long balls that would probably be their weakness you look at their centre-backs Manning is it Carl Norton unless I'm very much mistaken was playing is it and then Cabango as well yeah Uh, two of them Cabango is a decent size but Manning and Norton aren't exactly your big sort of device done style uh, championship centre-backs that are going to put their body on the line all the time. I think they'll get stuck in but they're not quite capable if they come up against someone like Lyndon Dykes, for example. They were struggling to do with Austin at times with the um, long balls. So I just thought maybe Linden should have started, you know, exposed them a little bit. But we did have a bit of joy coming down the left sides uh, with Wallace overlapping uh, quite a few times. But that was kind of, it went flat very quickly after that. Um, when we talk about chance creation. I think the Coventry XG was over two. This one, our XG against Swansea was 0.63. So, you know, that just sort of, I understand why people are slightly upset that Adoma isn't playing because you can see the drop off in chances straight away. Um,
2: Dan, what did you think? What in terms of the in terms of the chances? Chances, yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, the game was flat. I, mean, I don't know what we. The thing is, I, you said about Austin um, winning the jewels in the first twenty minutes. I think we still lacked a bit of an outball. I'd have preferred Dykes to 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 star alongside Willock. Um, we just felt felt very deep at times, particularly when they had the ball. Um, And it it was almost, if Willock drops deep and and links up the play with the wide players, it almost felt like Austin has to stay central all the time. And he doesn't always do that. He likes to drift, which then kind of made the focal point a bit difficult. But it wasn't wasn't really a great game and there wasn't many chances from our point of view apart from the second half.
0: Yeah, the Austin thing is something that I found really frustrating. And I've been talking to you about it already today, Dan, but I'm going to, probably do an article about this and just sort of highlight hopefully where he, he just is so much better basically when he just plays as a striker he's everyone sort of was wowed with the additional passing range that he has got and it's nice and whatever and i know he works hard for the team but his job is to score goals and you do not do that by tracking all the way back to a defensive midfield position, playing a nice ball and then realising that whoever's running into the box, Willock, Doma, Chair, if he's playing for us, hasn't got someone in the middle because Chair and Willock don't make those forward runs like Austin or Gray or Dykes do. So when Austin's playing by himself up top, dropping deep really just sort of throws the whole structure of the team. Um, and in the second half in particular, he was playing essentially as a Ram, a right attacking midfielder. I didn't quite understand why, especially as Willock got taken off, I think because he got a knock and he brought Thomas on, which was the right one to right player to bring on. I just thought, why are you playing Austin so deep as an attacking midfielder in a sense? Because we're not pressing them. And it was definitely a Dykes, then Willock and Austin. Then it was Field and Hanson, and then the the back five. I just didn't understand what he was trying to achieve there, Warburton, whether that was something that Austin was sort of doing by himself or whether that was something that Warburton had set up. It felt more like a tactical decision. And they were a bit weak and they were a bit wobbly with passing the ball out at times. They really should have put a lot more pressure on them. And I know we don't really press, but... (laughs) When you've got players like Willock and you've got Dykes on the bench you will do those hard yards up front, he may be a bit ugly at times with like not being the best to watch, but he does chase and chase and chase. Just thought, why can we not just bring him on a little bit earlier? Can we have if you're gonna have Austin up front, can we have Dykes and Willock as well so that we've got a bit more press in there? And if we do press, they've got to actually press as a front three. It can't be Dykes chasing by himself whilst Willock's having a breather. You've got to press as a team. So that was something that has annoyed me and is going to hopefully inspire me to write something for the website. Um, but again, Dan, George Thomas was quite effective, wasn't he? In his little cameos at the
2: end. He he was. Um no, it's nice to see some of the the praise from people. I mean, what since since the start of the season, he's pretty much been the the go-to scapegoat. Um, I've seen numerous people write him off, say he's awful, rubbish. I mean, he created when he came on against Stoke. I know he should have scored one goal, but he created three chances in ten minutes. Like the, he he has quality there. He's not he, he's not he's not he's not brilliant, but he's got energy. He's got. He works half of the team like we saw on Saturday. And then he linked up with um was it was it Willock for the what chance with the Dykes the Dykes chance, wasn't it? He, he he was in the the build up of the Dykes Chance, yeah. I believe. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I don't I don't really get all the, his criticism to be honest. I thought he was I thought he was okay. And he may may even get a start on, on the weekend.
0: Yeah, he was a real pest in uh the game against Coventry really was a thorn in their side right at the end of the game. I know like a bit of a sort of like Jamie Mackie role. Mackie would just sort of run and run and run and run and run for the team. George Thomas kind of does a bit the same thing, but with like added pace. So he just buzzes around. I imagine he's just annoying to play against because he just sort of appears suddenly. Um, And yeah, doesn't have the greatest quality as we saw with the corner that he took last night should have done a lot better there and no, that was bad that, was, that bad. was bad but regardless um he's proven that he has got some worth to the team and coming off the bench he certainly seems to be uh in a yeah. di- okay, doing well enough guys. uh okay so moving on from swansea uh before the game dion sanderson our latest signing was paraded out in front of us on the pitch He signed from Wolves for, until the end of the season, ball playing centre-back. We talked about last week. We're all, I think, very excited to see him play, wonder how he's going to fit in. But the rumour mill was at it again this week. The latest one from, again, the Daily Mail, which turned out to be linking every youngster in the Premier League with QPR at the moment. But we've got James McAtee of Man City linked with us at the moment. So what do you guys know about him?
1: Very little other than uh, speaking to my friend Joe Davis, who's probably not listening, but if you are, thank you, Joe. Um, he had a very glowing review about him. So, you know, compared him a little bit, a little bit to Bernardo Silva, he said, um, without maybe so much as much as the work rate that Bernardo Silva has, but good left foot, very good dribbling ability. Um, a lot of flair as well. I was watching a YouTube comp, which is always reliable when judging a footballer, um, and he looks like he likes just embarrassing people, to be honest. So he'll fit right in with with Chair and Willock. So
0: yeah. So um, I think also <clears throat> uh, Gary Neville compared. This is one of the players that he compared to um, David Silver, I think when he said that they're all clones in a Premier League game. Oh,
1: David yeah. we have yeah, yeah, right? yeah. got loads of them out there.
0: Yeah. So Back this is this is one of the David Silver clones apparently. But he is um he's got a very impressive record at Premier League two level. So this season he's got fourteen goals in 15 games with four assists added on top of that as well. He's the top goal scorer in Premier League two going above uh Balogun who's now on loan at Middlesbrough. And also, there's another player that I've forgotten the name. He was at Tottenham and he's moved to Blackburn. Is it? It's not.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know the name, but yeah, yeah. Um, he's the winger, isn't
0: he? Yeah, it's not Child. Yeah, like, it. yeah.
2: It's a lot. It's, a, it's a, no, no. It's a long. It begins with an M. Um, I don't
0: know. They're not the full name is yeah. off the top of. That. Um. Anyway, yeah, he's also got four goals and one assist in three UEFA Youth League games last season. 12 assists in the Premier League two with a further seven goals scored. So in the last two seasons in the Premier League two, uh, he's got 37 direct goal involvements. It just strikes me. I think your friend said this as well, Micah, that he's just too good for that division now. And, you know, sort of like making fun of players basically in that league, he needs to step up into, um, into proper men's football, really, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, the interesting thing I think as well is that um, similar to the Sam Field and the visa loans last year, um, he's got six months left on his contract. Apparently, is it six? And, months?
0: I thought it was. Well, I don't. Eight, it was eighteen, I think it said in
1: the Daily Mail. 18? Well, oh, he's got. I have no idea. My friend said to me, he's got six months, and he doesn't expect him to sign. So I, I don't know what the deal is. But
0: yeah, there's a few Premier League clubs sniffing around him as well, which is. Uh, more for sort of like at these transfer for next season, perhaps Brighton, Leicester and Aston Villa want him probably on a permanent deal. But we've also been... So the mail claims that Bournemouth, Blackburn and Swansea want him on loan. Now, Blackburn obviously just signed this winger. Would they really need him? Bournemouth, very close, I believe, to sign in Tom Lawrence... He's, you know, someone that we were in for. Would they really need another player like Mcatee? And Swansea, okay, they probably would need him, but do you really want to go there? Um, like it's a weird one,
1: isn't it? Because aren't Bournemouth mentally to getting Tom Lawrence? Yeah.
0: So I don't see I don't all mean. those teams seem to be good for attacking midfielders. We need an attacking midfielder. He does play as an a CAM. Attacking midf- central attacking midfielder, so you know it kind of fits the bill. Maybe a bit raw. I think the one thing about taking a player for, on loan from Man City, obviously he's very talented, but I, I have uh, slight nightmares over the Matt Smith loan deal. It's yeah, a player that was man. so anonymous, we would may as well play with ten uh, players on the pitch. I just don't want another one of them. Like, everyone needs to pull their weight. And I feel like Sanderson will. So, like, you kind of, if we're going to bring in uh, this guy, he needs to be able to play first-team football, really. He can't, there's no point. I mean, I, we we know that we are the George Thomas appreciation society, but, like, if he's going to be behind the pecking order than him, there's no point signing. He's got to be at least better than Thomas. Otherwise, you're not actually really improving the squad, are you?
1: Thomas is going to go out alone, loan, he? If we bring in a attacking midfielder, I think. I, it's, that. Michael I, don't, don't,
0: that. I don't think that. I mean, we. How long have we that, got left? Me. The the it shuts next Monday, doesn't it? And I know that's a long time in football, but you've got a, a weekend where teams are going to be playing. I just don't see him leaving, to be honest. I think he, you know, he's versatile, isn't he, Thomas? And he's our player, so what's the point of? Bringing in the loan to send him out on loan. I don't. I don't know. It doesn't I mean, quite. He, games though, he does he's, need he games, but
1: a run of games with us. I feel like we need to. I don't know. I feel like he needs games, probably in League One.
0: Right, uh, Dan, distracting you from the George Thomas comments. There, what do you think, <laughs> uh, Mcatee? Do you reckon that you'd be a good signing for us?
2: Um. I think I think he would. I mean, I think at the start of the window, I probably wanted number ten that was on loan. Um, with the situation, obviously, do we get playoffs and go up? Do we don't, do we do we go up with automatics or do we just get a playoffs and um, and don't go up at all? I I, I like him um, from what I saw in the FA Cup against Swindon when he came off the bench. My only concern is his physicality being transformed. From the Premier League two, which is I'm sure it I haven't watched much Premier League two action of late, but Good. I don't Good. think it's yeah, it's not gonna have the physicality of the championship. He was already quite poor in um in contact up against Swindon, who who are quite a physical, physical outfit in um in League Two. So that that would be my concern. But we have technical players like Willock Chair, albeit Willock and Cher do use their body quite well. Um, when, when they have the ball so that would be interesting to see but no I don't I don't doubt he doesn't have the technical ability so
0: is the, the ball consensus
2: ball. that we do need him then uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not fully yes or no if I'm honest I don't I think, right, I think sitting on the think fence that's oh exactly
0: God. what makes great well, podcasting
2: oh no the thing is
1: we need him we need a player of his position do we need him I don't know but we need, we probably need a number 10.
0: We're running out of options now, aren't we? With Lawrence, you know, if we got him, that would have been a fantastic deal because it would have been cheap because of the situation that Derby were in. So you're getting a, you know, a player that is probably in the prime of his career, arguably would be competing with Willock and chair for that first, you know, for a spot in the first team, really. Um but he's going to be going to Bournemouth. The second option was apparently Jamie Patterson, according to West London Sport, but West Brom have strong links in it with him. So it doesn't look like a transfer for him is on the cards. So a loan for a slightly less experienced player is probably going to be the only way to go. And you're just looking at the stats, like the guy's obviously got the talent. Like you said, it's the physicality, whether
1: he can bring it across. Yeah, um, similar, similar to Matt Smith really isn't it They these Man City um, kids they look like they're very good technically very good understanding of the game but it's the physical side
0: yeah I think he's probably a bit better than Matt Smith considering oh, that cool. like at the time well he's made an appearance it was only three minutes he's made an appearance in the Premier League he's made one appearance in the FA Cup and one appearance in the EFL Cup so Obviously, to a certain extent, Pep sees something in him rather than I think Matt Smith came to us with no first team experience at all. As well,
1: the they also
2: the, came at different times, though, didn't they? Different times of what well, well, now we're what, pushing for promotion yeah. to the Premier yeah, League I think two that's part
1: of it as well. I don't think Man City two years ago would have trusted us with their most sort of prized young yeah. player, but I think yeah. now we're in a position where they're like, oh, yeah, actually, yeah, maybe.
0: So, this is a um not necessarily the big question but would you rather have a new striker on loan or a new attacking midfielder because it the, the, you know this is probably just pure speculation isn't it but because re- realistically the, the noise that the club have been making is that we are going to be getting an attacking midfielder at best and that's it
1: Uh, see this is the thing we were talking about this in my group chat last night (sighs) how do I explain my stance on this? My stance on this is that I think what separates us from Bournemouth and Fulham and even Blackburn to an extent is somebody as a go-to goal scorer what also separates us from that is having the money to buy it Dan rightly made the point that Bournemouth have got 20 million Solanke Fulham have got Mitrovic, West Brom just spent 7 million on DK we don't have the money to do that. So, yes, I feel like yes, we lack a strike of a bit of mobility and a little bit of craftsmanship. Craftsmanship, craft—I butchered that. Craftsmanship. craftsmanship. There we go. There we go. That's the word. Craftsmanship. Um, to sort of like hunt for his own food, if you know what I mean, to sort of create a goal for himself. Um, but we can't. We we can't afford one. Like, we, we can't afford one and i mean i mean i mean hopefully andre gray when he comes back in he comes back in hits the ground running hopefully he scores a couple goals for jamaica and he is that guy for us but we 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 kind of lack that i feel like and i don't think we're going to be able to get that definitely not on loan yeah so, cuz that's
0: what it's going to be isn't it it's going to be a loan deal no way are we going to be shelling out money at this stage of the season yeah. for a striker January is the most inflated transfer market going, and the striker in position is the most inflated position on the pitch as well. Yeah. So, anyone that you're going to be signing is going to you can add five million on straight
2: away. Yeah, like I think pretty much. I guaranteed. think sorry to sorry to the button. I think Michael um, raised a good point, especially with the, uh, what he said about the creating, creating his own chances and having a technique for a striker. I think that's the big difference between a good championship striker and a striker that can step up from the Championship to the Premier League. And unfortunately, like said, uh, we said, we, we, can't, we can't afford that, that type of player. So we either have to mould them ourselves or get a loan from a Premier League club.
0: Well, we've mentioned a loan. He's not quite the player that you suggested, Micah, but I did say a few podcasts ago that Jordan Hugh was struggling at West Brom.
1: Bring him home. Bring the boy <laughs> home. So one thing. I one thing I will give John Hugo credit for, although people would have a go at the fact that he was not the most clinical, he did work his socks off and mm. he would press from the front for us. Mm. So I, it's not the worst suggestion. He press world.
2: alone though. He won't press with everyone else. He pressed alone.
1: He pre- Yeah, that is the thing. Yeah, it's <laughs> the gap between like him and Eze. Sometimes, like he would be like up here, as would be like thirty yards behind him. Like, what are you doing, mate? But, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not getting involved in that oh. <laughs> I'm too good to be doing that sort of stuff <laughs> <laughs> Nah, do you know what, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the worst idea But I doubt, I think Lee Hoos would probably vomit Once he saw John Jujo's wages, to be honest so It must be on less than last time Because he's, he's, he was, <clears throat> he's in Norwich, Norwich you know, West so. Brom West Brom I feel, like if, I feel like if you've played in the one game in the Premier League, I feel like West Brom will give you whatever you ask for. No, but it's, um,
0: he's on loan from Norwich, isn't he? Oh, is he on loan? He's not West thought, Brom's yeah. player. I mean, that would be a stumbling block because you'd have to sort of probably pay off West Brom and they just wouldn't give us the striker. Yeah, do but it. like, I think it kind of, that relied on the fact that I thought at one point they might send him back, but with DK out for eight weeks, that's probably very unlikely that. Likely now, uh, which is disappointing because such an infuriating player, but such a lovable one at the same time. Do love Hugo. Um, Last topic for this week is Reading. We've got another game on Saturday. Uh, This, you know, in a league that has a few complete disasters of clubs, this is an absolute disaster class of a football club, isn't it? Reading football club.
2: It it is um, well, I mean FF from FFP, um, to what well, the the current situation at uh, in in the club. I mean it's in the squad even, you have know, got Andy Carroll on, what a grand a week coming to, having to to play virtually for the love of the game, which which is how it should be. But I mean, <laughs> I think they brought it, like. Isn't
0: what, what, a nice what? sentiment isn't it Like, that it's all so... well, no,
2: it, it, in fact it is, it, it is and obviously he hasn't he hasn't stayed on at the club now since um, his, I think it was a six month deal got cut short but yeah they're, they're not they're not in a good place and I think they're just literally hovering right Sorry. above the relegation zone. is Carol
0: not he,
2: he's no no playing. he's not there anymore he's not there no, anymore not there. No, no no he's gone he's gone he went by three games ago so now they've got um return of Lucas Jow from a an injury um, which is which is big for them
0: yeah but surely if we're looking for a striker if he, if he just wants to play for the love of the game uh, I, saw uh, the, I was going to bring it the up anyway but the, the, the two disallowed goals that he scored unbelievable
2: <laughs> sure sure but a- he'll probably want an upgrade on his current contract from or his previous contract from Reading but we don't need someone like that I mean we're just talking about mobility in strikers, and he penny. does not have. He does not have m- mobility in his bone. Some would argue Austin doesn't, but <laughs> hey ho, different type of striker, a different type of striker.
0: Come on, can't, can you not see him doing a Bobby Zamora at Wembley?
2: Well, now I can. Yeah, but not <laughs> not not, 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 before, not before he mentioned it. Yeah, uh, but anyway,
0: mentioned the Fulham game. Uh Reading have had a couple of really shocking results recently 4-3 to Huddersfield, 7-0 against Fulham and then that really embarrassing exit in the FA Cup to Kidderminster Harriers as well so they sit just two points ahead of Peterborough in 21st position and Peterborough do have a game in hand over Reading so they are in dire straits down the bottom yet uh, their manage- manager, how how do you say it, Panovic
2: Yeah, I think so Pound of still there, like you know, <laughs> it's, it's a weird one. I mean, he's he's had a he's well, obviously did work really well last year, apart from dropping outside the top six in the last few weeks. I think it was, he's definitely had a hard summer in terms of not really being able to spend anything, bit. I think get drink water and a few others on loan. And obviously the depth is ridiculously poor as well. Um, so it's been hard. And on top of that, with Jao out, he's had to go from what what was last season quite an attractive style of football to with Andy Carroll, almost the polar opposite um, with long ball to Carroll winning, sec- winning second balls and playing off that. So he's not had an easy job, but I don't think he's done particularly well either. Mm. But I, I don't know what what, what more... What more the Reading really want? I mean, you can get a manager from a lower division, perhaps, but they're gonna—they're not gonna have the resources, are they? You got to get your house
0: in order first before you actually sort of exactly, get somewhere, exactly. don't you?
2: And I think at least with having him in house, I think there's some stability because he knows the club fairly well. I right. mean, uh, he's not doing a great job. I think he's lost the last eight. Like you've—you listed some of them off, but I think with JR back, Puskas in the side, Swift. I think they do have individual quality so whether they can um, replicate that in in results.
0: Mm. Well, just the one point for them so far in January to all of fellow relegation candidates and owners of their own stadium derby. um, You know, they're just, this seems like a good chance for us. Uh, you mentioned John Swift there, eight goals and eleven assists from twenty-six games in all comps. That's a very impressive. return in a rubbish side, so you, like you said, you've got, is, got the individual quality. But yeah, I don't know. I think know he's, I think how he's much died else. down
2: a little bit. I might be. I might be wrong. He, he, he's he's calmed down a little bit. The goals because I think he scored. A, well, he scored. goal a hat trick against us. So yeah, at their place. Um, but no, Lucas Zhao. I mean, he's a strong, mobile number nine. Was he Was he top scorer last year or something like that? He was definitely up there. No, I can't remember. So I, so, I mean, I think he scored at the weekend with Puskas, who scored his first goal in a while, so those two could be quite quite crucial mm. to the way they play, but I, if I'm being honest, I do expect us to, to win this. I
0: really hope that this is a comfortable one for us. Like, this is an opportunity, though, isn't it? The
2: first one, the first one of the season. Yeah, because even though that really, be, that would be nice. Win. Just well, a not nice. full ninety, not not full ninety, but like maybe a second half. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, finally, then let's have um, quick. Actually, very quickly, would would you make any changes? Like Adoma probably comes back in. Um,
2: would you go two uh, Adoma, to cu- Adoma? comes in. I think he'll stick with Dykes and um, Austin. Well, not six, very right, because Dykes wasn't playing on on Tuesday at the start, but. I don't think he has the faith in Thomas to start him, and then obviously I'd uh, go Phil Johansson in midfield, Wallace Adoma, um, and then the usual back three.
0: Yep. Uh, finally, then let's get a prediction off of you.
2: Ooh, I'm going to go for a three nil win. So 3-0. hopefully, very
0: confident. Uh, I'm going to go two nil. <laughs> so hopefully, I'd take either one. To be honest, I just want a confident win. So that is all for us this week. Uh, yeah. So thanks to Micah and for Dan for coming on again. Uh, both of these guys have their own fantastic websites, which Dan will now explain his very quickly.
2: Um, yeah, it's just a it's just an analysis um, on QPR games that, that happen every every week or so.
0: Yep. So uh, that's what Dan's is, and because Micah has had to disappear, I'll just quickly explain his one. He is uh, at Life in Blue and White, I believe. And it is at underscore L-I-B-A-W on Twitter. So follow him. His first article went up uh, quite recently about uh, his love for Charlie Austin, in fact. So that was a very nice uh, read about one of our most important players of the last couple of years. We're all on Twitter, as I mentioned. Please follow us all on there. Uh, follow our generation on Twitter as well. And we've just passed 2,000 followers on there, which is amazing. So thank you very much if you are one of the 2,000. Subscribe to us on whatever platform you use to listen, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. And if you do feel kind enough, please leave us a review on Spotify. We don't yet have enough for an average one review from you can change that please go ahead and do that so thanks again for listening until next time come on you ass